You're listening to sermons from St. Thomas Anglican Mission, located in Matthews County, Virginia, striving to live out the ancient faith through common prayer. Here's what we have for you this week. So this morning, uh, like I said, it's the, the presentation of Christ in the temple is our, our liturgical day, uh, which is uh, why we changed from green to white, the colors, uh, and it's why there was the uh, misprint in the bulletin from Epiphany 4 to, um, to this. Um, but I will own that mistake and say that that was a, a, a uh, blunder on my part. So, you know, I, I jokingly said, at, I'm not really jokingly, I seriously said at a business meeting, the parish meeting, that this year there was going to be some off-the-script you know, messages. And it's funny how the today actually ends up becoming one of those because I prepared for Epiphany 4 and not the presentation of Christ in the temple. And so of all things, to show the humor of the Lord and stuff, uh, that's, that's kind of where we'll be at the next few moments. Um, you know, but that's all right because obviously uh, throughout our, the scriptures and throughout the gospel, the Lord's there. And so we don't have any fear of never encountering him and never meeting him in his word. Because whether it's the, uh, the appointed reading of the day that is preached on or a reading that is placed on the heart, we know that Christ is still there regardless. Um, and we can have confidence in that because he said he would never leave us or forsake us. So uh, there's great peace there. So um, that said... The passage this morning that I'm going to speak to you all from, uh, allow me a moment to read it to you here. It's found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 8th chapter, beginning at the first verse. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entering into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And I to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So, 
this morning, today is the appropriate day for the presentation of the Lord. It's the Lord came to his temple. And, you know, Joseph and Mary, uh, the Blessed Virgin, they brought Jesus to the temple. And what happened? Simeon rejoiced. Anna rejoiced because the Lord was in his temple. The Lord was in the presence of the people. And so the passage I read you that I just read now, dealing with this leper and this centurion, Jesus came down from this mountain and he was in the presence of the people. And this leper uh, acknowledged him for who he was, Lord, heal me. This centurion uh, acknowledged him for who he was because the Lord was present, he was there. And just like in the temple there was rejoicing, there's undoubtedly there was rejoicing uh, at the healing of this leper and at this uh, encounter with the centurion. So that's what I, I just meant earlier that you know, we know that the Lord is in our midst regardless, um, whether he's being presented in the temple or he's being presented uh, in our lives or in the miracles that he does on our behalf, he is with us. And there's always an opportunity and always a chance to rejoice in the day of the Lord. And so us, as St. Thomas saying the commission, you know, I, I talked about how this year I want to do this series uh, on our mission statement, and that is not what I'm doing today, um, but I do find uh, the very first line of our mission statement is this, we seek to be a community of people where the broken can find rest from the hurts of their past as they encounter Christ. And so our passage that I just read, it speaks to broken people, right? There's this leper, uh, he was broken. He was hurt. He had leprosy, which isn't the same as leprosy as what it is today. They don't really know what biblical leprosy was in comparison to modern-day leprosy. You know, you hear of, uh, was it Mother Teresa that worked with the lepers and stuff? That's not necessarily the same situation as back then. When we hear of St. Francis of Assisi kissing a leper, you know, and praying for him and all this, it's not necessarily the same exact kind. We don't really know. We know there was you know, skin affliction in this, but we don't know, but, it, but biblical leprosy is also a spiritual disease. It's not just a physical disease. That's why there came this uncleanliness about it. You can't be come to the temple. You couldn't offer sacrifices. You couldn't even walk into town and go visit your family. And you would, if people come near you, you would have to yell out that you were unclean to warn them so that they wouldn't become unclean and therefore be unable to go to the temple. Plus, leprosy was highly contagious, and the last thing you wanted to do was pass along your physical and spiritual illness onto all those you come in contact to. Physically, by them contracting leprosy, and spiritually, by them contracting the uncleanness. Now, thankfully, those people who are, who are in good physical health can easily just go to a mikvah or the, the bath, uh, which is kind of where baptism came from, and they could immerse themselves and come up and be considered ritually clean. Uh, but there wasn't exactly an easy way to solve this physical illness that was associated with it. So this leper, he was broken, right? He was hurt. He was broken by his disease, and he was hurt by the fact that here he was, a member of Israel, a member of the family of God, but he couldn't be amongst the people of God. He couldn't come and worship the Lord. He couldn't offer sacrifices unto the Lord. And so here's this man in his brokenness and in his hurt, unable, unable to be among his brothers and sisters of faith. 
you know, um, and, and and that's that's a horrible thing. You know, you're born into the family. The the you know you you can claim Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as your descendants, but then you can't actually enjoy the goodness of the Lord because of that, because you're sick and because you have this. This, this, this physical and spiritual illness around you. And the same thing happens today, right? I mean, uh, there's plenty of broken people uh, and hurt people that have either, you know, they're broken because of their addictions and their struggles and the things they wrestle with, or they're hurt because of something that bad happened to them in the past where they broke church off and all this, but they still have faith, but because of their situation, they can't really come and worship amongst the people of God because they don't feel welcome, because they aren't welcome. You know, they come in and everybody looks at them and it's like, why are you here? We don't want you here. Set in the back. Better yet, leave. You're not welcome here. Um, and that's unfortunate. But there, that is legitimate. There are people who are broken. There are people that are like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're, you, you used to be uh, a meth addict or, oh, you used to be this or that, and there's a stigma attached to it. You used to be, you know, whatever. But they don't want to see that they're still a person of God, a person of holy value and holy worth. Um, and so, you know, this leper, just like, you know, he, he sees Jesus come down and he comes to him and he says, Lord, if thou will, will you heal me? And Jesus says, yes. And he, said, and he heals the guy. And he says, I am will be clean. You know, and then he tells the guy, don't, don't tell anyone this. Instead, go to the priest. Uh, and it be a testimony to them. You know, Jesus, when we, we surrender our brokenness to him and our hurts to him, and we say, Lord, touch me, heal me, restore me, if, if you will. And when Jesus says, oh, I will, and he touches us and he heals us and he restores us, you know, he does that so he gives us a story. He gives us a testimony. And the place that those, uh, you know, they, their testimonies and stories are things that build our faith up and make us be like God is really in our midst. He is alive indeed. Let all earth rejoice. And so like this leper, you know, go to the priest, go to the fellowship and tell them. You know, we, we, it's the same thing with people nowadays. You know, people that are broken and they have this encounter with Christ. Instead of us judging them on their past, if they show up and they're like, look, I once was lost, but now I'm found. We should rejoice in their testimony. Our faith should be built by the story and by the trials and tribulations, the things they walk through, the leprosy that they walk through, the fact that they have been healed. We should find joy in that. It should build our faith up. And this house should be a house where they can find rest and realize that though I've spent all these years outside the camp because of my illness and this and that, here I can finally be amongst God's people and rest. And we can rejoice that God is a saving God. God's a healing God. God's a restoring God. You know, the faith of this, this test, this, the faith of this leper who he asked Jesus and Jesus responded and healed him. Jesus did that not for just that leper's sake. He didn't just heal this guy who we'll call Joe. He didn't call, he didn't heal Joe for Joe's sake. He healed Joe's sake for Israel's sake. So that when Joe went to see his priest and Joe said, the Lord healed me, examine me and see the proof. 
that then not only will the priest rejoice in the power of God, but all the people in his community. His testimony is for the house. His testimony wasn't just for himself, it was for the people of God. Um, you know, it, it's not just something that, that we are to hoard and hold on to and, and keep it as a private thing. Um, you know, when Jesus shows us compassion and he restores, you know, us and, and the leper and he breaks those chains that, that, that are bondage and those things, you know, we can't, I mean, you don't want to diminish the fact that, of course, it is for you. Uh, because it gives you life, but ultimately we are all part of this grand narrative and this grand story. We're all charged with the task of, you know, uh, going into the world and preaching the gospel and making disciples. And if your way of preaching is your testimony, well, that's that's it. In reality, is we all have testimonies. Some of us might have these horrible, horrible things, but you know what? If you're someone that says, look, I was born into a Christian family and I never did anything wrong except, you know, little sins here and there, but I never did any of the big things, that's a testimony of God's preservation over your life and Him preserving you and being faithful. And so just because you have a boring Christian life doesn't mean your testimony is any less valuable than... You know, the rock star who did everything and, and all of that stuff and then had a radical conversion. They're both just as powerful signs. And so this leper, who knows what kind of testimony he carried back to the priest and what kind of transformation it did. Uh, but we know this is only the third chapter of Matthew. Um, or it's the early chapter of Matthew. And so by the time we get further into the book, more and more people are hearing about Jesus and understanding what he's doing. So I have to believe that in some small way, this leper's story blew up and lots and lots of people began to hear about it. And then, of course, this guy's story, uh, his testimony blew up and, and then there was more and more. And so the word of Christ was, spread, was spreading all around the land. So let our testimonies, like this leper, like we can surmise this leper's testimony when he went to the priest, let our testimony, let our faith testify to the goodness of God in a world that needs hope and needs to see goodness. Um, and then we found a centurion, right? This guy, he was an outsider to the faith. He was a Gentile. So he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't in the house of God. He wasn't part of the family of God. He could not claim Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and everyone else as his family tree. Instead, he was a Gentile. He was a pagan. He was a man of the nations, and you know, uh, Rome had their own deities and all these sort of things. And so, who knows where exactly his faith was at? Foolishly or you know, righteously, but there was something about Jesus that made him. Be like, okay, my servant is horribly tormented with this palsy and it's horrible and I'm desperate for a solution. And I've prayed to my gods and they're not doing anything and I've offered sacrifices to my gods and I've prayed to Caesar and this and that and no, nothing is working. So maybe, maybe this wandering dirty rabbi who dumped, got dumped in the dirty Jordan River and then wandered the desert for 40 days and who apparently likes to touch lepers but not get sick, maybe this guy, maybe there's something here. Maybe this guy can do something. 
And so the centurion, he had a desperate faith, right? He wasn't necessarily broken and hurt by his condition and all that, but he, his, his faith of approaching Christ was born out of desperation. You know, he, he essentially, he probably turned to everything already, his own doctors and his gods and all that stuff. But the different, you know, this guy, though, he understood authority because he was a centurion. He had plenty of soldiers under him. And what he saw in Jesus is that he saw there was an authority there, you know. And obviously it was an authority to command illness and sickness and brokenness to be made whole and to be made healed. And it was looking like it was in the house of Israel, but there was still authority there. And so he went to him. But, he, but, the, but the centurion still acknowledged that I'm unworthy. You don't need to come to my house. I am certain unworthy. The centurion realized he, he was not in the family of God. Uh, and so he, he reached out to Christ and, and said, you know, I'm not worthy, but I'm desperate and I believe that you can do this. But I understand authority and I've seen you demonstrate it. And as a man of authority, I understand. And so speak the word and I know it will be done. And what happened? Christ spoke it, and at that moment, the dude's uh, servant was healed. Instantaneously in that moment. So here's God showing compassion to a Gentile. Showing compassion to someone who wasn't in the house of Israel and in the family of God. But you know, I have to believe, though, that in God doing that, in Jesus showing that, that that authority that Jesus proclaimed, that centurion probably took note of it and said, yeah, this is some kind of authority. I've not, I understand authority, but I've never encountered that kind of authority where even sickness, where even brokenness, where even hurt submits and flees and runs away. And healing and wholeness and restoration is brought forth by the words. Of course, we understand the reason for it because Jesus is the word of God. Jesus, you know, God spoke creation into existence. So if God tells the waves, be still, they're going to be still. If God tells, you know, the barking dog outside of his house to be quiet, that dog's going to listen. Because all Jesus has to do is speak, and all creation goes quiet. And so Jesus spoke, and this sickness shut its mouth, and got quiet, and ran away really fast. Because there's authority. Christ. You know, and, and he gave us, he, he told us that we would do these things in his name, by his spirit. That we could speak hope and speak wholeness and speak restoration authoritatively into people's life. Because that's what the gospel is. That's the message each and every single one of us have been given. You know, the, the leper his experience brought testimony to the house and it boistered, it boosted the faith of those in that, the synagogue or in the temple or whatever, those that were present when the priest examined them. This centurion's faith ends up bringing joy, re, rejoicing to the entire kingdom though. And to the kingdom, I mean the kingdom of heaven. Because you can't have an encounter like that with God and not change. The text doesn't necessarily say but whether it was Jesus or it was a servant, I have to believe that one of them, their hearts were truly changed that day. You know, and scripture tells us that when someone accepts Christ for who they are, all of heaven rejoices. 
All of heaven breaks into cheer and rejoices at this. But regardless, the faith that centurion showed is a testimony for the kingdom because it shows that the kingdom isn't just for this select group of people. It's not just for those born in a certain blood, of the Jewish blood, but it's for male and female. It's for Jew and Gentile. It's for slave and free. It's for all people. Just all we have to do is bend the knee to the authority of Christ and call upon him. So again, let, let, just like letting the leper's testimony be uh, his faith be a sign to us of, of the goodness of God, so is this, this centurion, a man of the nations, his faith in the authority of Christ. That's a reflection of the goodness of God to us as well. Sometimes we have a tendency to normalize our faith and so uh, we, we almost diminish it to a degree. Like, like we're like, oh yeah, there's big things. They happen in Africa. People, miraculous things happen in Africa or happen in you know, Peru or happen here or happen there. Those things, eh, you know. And we forget that the same God who touched the leper, the same God who healed a servant by just speaking a word and never even laying eyes on them, and the same God who heals someone this morning in Peru or over in uh, Congo or wherever is the same God who's here in this moment today ready to touch each and every single one of us and heal us of our burdens and the baggages and the things that we've carried into this place this morning. Yeah. Not just us, but relevant, Living Waters, Kingston, Salem, wherever it's the same God with the people of God this morning. And so we, may we not just become so complacent in our walk, normalize our walk so much that we forget to look for the presence of God because he's with us. He said we're two or three together, he's there. So he's here in our midst even now. You might not see the indentation of him sitting in the pew beside you, you know, and you might not feel his presence walk past you, but we also know that he's present in his sacrament this morning as we come to remember not only his death, but to remember the fact that we've been called to be his body, to be his hands, to be his feet, and to carry this testimony that each of us have out into the world. You know, and, and, and obviously there's a normalization and a diminishment that can happen in the house, and that's why the Lord sends testimonies to his people to be like, wake up. Rise up. And it's not because our faith is lacking. It's because we've become distracted by the things of this world. We get so busy worrying about paying bills and about debt and about, you know, uh, oh, i got to get inspection on my automobile done or about this or that or about, you know, your kids' grades or about your job and your employer, your boss is changing or whatever. There's so many things vying for our attention that when we come in here, sometimes we forget that this isn't just a place for us to sit and be like, oh, but that we actually come here to meet someone. We come here to meet the King of Glory. And while He tells us, come here and just go, He also says, come here and realize I am here. That's why He tells us to come all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, just come sit in a pew and you'll find rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Because your couch is a whole lot more comfortable than those, those pews. So we don't come here for the pew to give us rest. We come here 
And God will give us rest. So, you know, the faith, our, and our faith is boosted by the testimonies. Our faith is, faith is boosted by conversions. Our faith is boosted by these things. And the reality is, is we need to live in that moment too. We need to live in that. We need to live it and we need to breathe it. Because the fact is, is yes, I was saved in October 1997. That's when I bent the knee to Christ and I accepted him. But each and every day since then, I've had to walk this path and I've had to repent and I've had to repent some, you know, over and over and over, sometimes more than other times. But regardless, I still had to repent and I still had to say, Lord, forgive me, wash me, make me clean. Does that mean if I died that day, I'd have went to hell? No, not necessarily because I never did anything probably too crazy like that. But the fact is, is repentance is a life we're called to. Because when we just start walking out sin, then we just become complacent. And then we find ourselves becoming hard of heart and becoming you know, on the path of destruction. And so we are to be people of rejoicing in the testimony. Because the fact is, is God did a great thing for me and Myra and our family in 2013. But that wasn't the one and only time God did a great thing. He's continuing to do great things even to this day. Just like in your life, you know, just because you, you had this miraculous move, everything God does in our life, God doesn't say, well, I did, I, I, I you know, somehow dropped all this in their lap. Now I've got to do bigger and better next time. He doesn't work like that. So your big moment, our big 2013 that doesn't mean our next, you know, God's going to do has to one up Himself and do even bigger things for the Hess family. No, just the fact that He we're here each and every day, and that we can know His presence and we can know Him, and we see Him in the mundane. Each of those things are just a testimony to the goodness of God. The breath in your lungs is itself a testimony to the goodness of God. Great faith should be the norm. For us and for the church. But we seem to only encounter it in times of healing and in conversion. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of slacking off and normalizing my faith. Uh, you know, it's real easy to when you're not in moments of crisis. When you don't think the doctor gives you a bad report and says you got six months to live. That's a moment of crisis. And everybody, everybody's going to get right with the Lord then. We should always be right with the Lord. Whether it's six months to live or it's, hey, you got 15 more years to go. Or who knows how long. Or, hey, you just want a million dollars for some strange reason. We should always be good with the Lord. Not in crisis. We, should never, we shouldn't just run to him in those moments. That should be where we always live. That we're ready no matter what comes our way. And just like this morning, Mary and Joseph presented Christ to the temple, or took Jesus to the temple to present him unto the Lord. May we, in our own lives, each day when we rise out of bed, may we present ourselves to the Lord too, and say, Lord, may I go forward this day with a pure heart and a clean heart, so that as I live and I live and I breathe, my testimony will lead to the healing of other people. My testimony lead to the salvation of other people. Not because I'm special, but because the God that uses me and the God that's in me is special. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning being able to gather together with your people. And Lord, I pray, God, that you, you speak to our hearts 
and into our minds about the power of the things we've walked through and that we don't diminish the stories that we have and the testimonies we've experienced, God, but, but that we see that even though each and every day is a new day in you, God, may we, may we not just live on those things in the past, may we realize that each and every day you're giving us a testimony, you're giving us a story. And so, Lord, may we rejoice in those that, are, that bring their testimony to the house. And may we rejoice in the conversion of others. And may our faith be boosted, Lord. And may we take our stories out, our testimonies out, to boost others' faith, God. Because, Lord, we realize that, that we are your people. You're not just our God, but we are yours. And so, Lord, uh, help us be the people you've called us to be, to change the world in the way you've called us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen.